What's up, guys? This is Corey Baker from Baker Forge and Tool. In you my go. business, we do tons of heavy grinding every single day, and we needed a grinder that could take abuse and keep on trucking without slowing down billet production. The Ameribraid Variable Speed 2x72 is just that. All heavy-duty parts and framing with well-thought-out accessories that are easy to use and not bogged down with lots of tiny parts. By far, the best accessory item that Ameribraid sells is their surface grinding attachment. It is absolutely foolproof and the best in the industry. With quick-release magnet system, there is no prying your workpiece off the platen. Very fast to slap a billet or a knife onto the table, engage magnets, and start surfacing with precise increments. On top of all of this, their customer support is outstanding. Eric and Kevin are always available and fast to help with any situation. If you're in the market for a top-of-the-line grinder or maybe just an accessory to add to your existing setup, go to Ameribraid.com and use the code HUSTLE100 for 100 bucks off any grinder package. All right, next up, the Hustle & Grind Podcast. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the new Hustle & Grind podcast. I am your host, Noah Bloomberg, from Ineat River Forge, here with Ryan from Ryan Chadbourne Knifeworks. Hello. Also your host. And it's going to be a two-man show today, guys. I uh, I tell you what, it's been an eventful week, and uh, we just kind of had a hard time getting uh, our, our guests lined up. So today, you just get to listen to the sweet sounds of my voice and Ryan's voice. Ryan, how's your week been, buddy? I've had a not great week, <laughs> if I'm being honest. <laughs> but Yeah, you have had a little bit of a rough one, haven't you? Yeah, but other than, I mean, life happens, shit happens, what can you do? It yeah. is what it is. Well, let's not focus on the negative things today, because yeah, it's just me and you. Smoking, you're dead. You started smoking again? Yeah, I'll quit again. How come? Because my dog died. Well, uh, okay. So, yeah, but I mean, I guess that just makes it easier just to have some, some nicotine to just to make you feel better. Yeah, to grieve. I uh, Okay. It's weird, though, speaking of nicotine. So, people, you know, I mean, everybody knows this nicotine is very bad for you, but there's also benefits to it. And it was weird because I had quit smoking for two, three weeks and um, like I noticed in that time I was having a lot of brain fog and like my productivity was down and why am I, I have like no bars on the thing here. Hold on. Oh, Sound, I'm sounds on the, fine to me. I'm on the computer microphone. Gotcha. What in the fuck? How do I change that? Oh, well, if I sound okay, then fuck it. Yeah, you sound fine. We'll just move this away then. All right. Any different? But anyways, I noticed I was having brain fog and like it was hard for me to get motivated and stuff. And you don't realize when you're a smoker how much you link smoking to what you do. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? It's you, a know habit. What I mean? you know, you, you get done with something, you have a cigarette, you figure you're going to start something well better have a smoke first you know that's, right yeah it, it's just it just becomes part of your routine when i finish this like you set a goal while you're working on stuff when i finish this step i'll smoke a butt you know what i mean it's weird mm -hmm. yeah so we've talked about this before i don't know if we talked about it on the show but i mean uh there's been a lot of different studies and stuff that have shown the you know, the benefits to nicotine it's just the side effects from the smoking aspect that are that are negative i think um the tar that's in the cigarettes and just generally smoke in your lungs i think is probably considered a little bad okay but uh but the the chemical nicotine by itself i don't think has really been linked to any negative health benefits maybe and i should try nicotine supplements like that's what i do man you eat in the morning see you I have those I, little snooze packets or whatever I, I i do the zinskis buddy so yeah so the zinskis well either zin or there's another brand called on it's like on exclamation point and those are super cheap um and so i i started um 
using those just as a way to increase my productivity and reduce my anxiety at work because working on cars doesn't bother me. Um, you know, cars are cars, you know, you, you, it's electrical issues can be challenging at times, but for the most part, cars are fine. It's the people surrounding the vehicles that are stressful, whether it's service advisors or customers or deadlines or uh, parts, uh, parts can be a big issue at work and stuff. And there's this one particular individual at work that stresses me out to no end. And I, you know, I've smoked in the past, I've chewed in the past, but I've, I had just kind of gotten away from it. And it's like, you know what? I'm just going to try one of these Zen pouches and see if I can just chill the chill the F out. And so I did. And man, my productivity at work went up so much. Um, the Like you're saying, the brain fog like decreases. You know, once you get to that certain point where you can, you know, just focus on what's in front of you, you, you work so much faster. And so that's what it's done for me. Um, I will say I've actually decreased my nicotine intake recently because my wife has been on like a little bit of like a, not necessarily like a health kick, but just like research into like all the different um, chemicals and stuff that are in our food that has like really negative health benefits, all the stuff that's in our food and all the stuff that's not in our food, you know, the things that we need. So I've been taking like some different supplements. I've been taking some magnesium, um, uh, I don't know, just like a different array of certain B vitamins and stuff like that. And I've noticed it's taken a while. Like it takes a while for you to like actually feel a difference. But I think I've been taking them for a few weeks now. And I've noticed, man, I don't need nearly as much nicotine to stay in like the right state of mind to be productive. So that's, it's been a pretty cool benefit. My wife's our food is trash. I actually meant to ask. I meant to ask honor about the difference between the food that they eat over there versus here, because Everybody from other countries I've ever talked to said that American food is different. Yeah, like even, absolutely. Even our even our bread is different than what they eat in the other parts of the world. Yeah. So I heard. Um, I think it, my mom went to France one time, and I think she was saying they're only allowed by law to have like three ingredients. I think it's water, yeast, and flour. I think like the only three ingredients you're allowed in order to call something bread. That's what it has to be. And maybe I'm overstating. I, I could be wrong here. I think we've got a couple of listeners that are in other countries. They can correct me. Um, but, you know, you look at the the, the label on a, a loaf of bread and it's got a list of ingredients the size of your hand, man. Like there's so many different preservatives and, and colorings. Like, really, we need colorings in bread for crying out loud. Uh, pretty ridiculous. So when I when I lived in California, speaking of bread. I worked at an artisan bread bakery where all we made was like old world style bread. It was fucking flour, water, yeast. And the difference. So like, you know, you get a bag of uh, bag of bread from the grocery store. It can sit on your counter for a month before it molds. Yeah. Real bread will mold within 48 hours. It, it's you not know, the same. And, and you can you can tell, I mean, when, when food is not actually food, if it can sit on your counter and stay the same shape for days on end. Like, have you ever taken like, uh, have you ever had like gone to McDonald's and gotten like a hamburger or something and you like forgot that you had one in the bag and you find it like a week later or more? Have you ever had that happen? So speak, I was going to say that exact thing. When my wife and I first started dating, I, me and my brother had an apartment together. <clears throat> and I brought home some McDoubles one night and it just ended up being the last night I stayed there. And three months later, when I moved my stuff out after we, me and my wife moved in together, there was a McDouble on my nightstand from three months ago. I opened it up and it was, the bread was stale, but it still looked like a McDouble. Like it right. didn't look any different. Like I could have bitten it. It was, yeah. It's like, what the fuck? And, you know, if you if you look at certain uh, certain cheeses and stuff in the store, for instance, everybody knows American cheese isn't really cheese. But if you look at the the label, it doesn't even claim to be cheese because it, even, even the FDA, which is corrupt as all get out. Uh, well, maybe not corrupt, but let's just say inept. Uh, it won't allow whatever that is to be called cheese. So if you look at like American singles or, 
American slices or anything like that. It it doesn't even claim to be cheese. It's not. It's American not cheese. cheese is fucking gross, dude. And it like, is gross. My son tried to make nachos with it one time. <laughs> and I was like, you're not going to want to eat that. He's like, oh, it'll be fine. And the smell that came out of my microwave was like, what? Yeah. Uh, the only thing American cheese is good with is grilled cheese sandwiches. That's it. See, and I don't like grilled cheese sandwiches, so it doesn't even bother me there. We do the we if we do like grilled sandwiches or something, we'll we'll get some Tillamook cheddar. Tillamook is some as far as cheese goes, Tillamook's pretty good. Is that the one that's got the Indian on the front of it? I don't know. That sounds racist, so probably not. No, it's like a little <laughs> Indian in the cupboard guy on the I don't know, man. I don't I don't pay that much logo. attention. Uh so What's uh have you have you made any knives this week? I know we we can talk about food or whatever. Um uh, I've been working have, on we don't have a guest here. We could talk about whatever we want. Yeah. I've been working on cleavers and some custom orders that came in a while ago that I'm behind on. I've got a lot of shit I'm behind on, but what kind of customs? Uh did you see that the collaboration knife of Mike Jones? Yeah. So somebody ordered one of those after that raffle went up. Um, They wanted it in Magna Cut. Ooh. Yeah, I haven't worked at Magna Cut yet. Everybody says it warps really bad, but everybody says AEBL warps too, and I don't really have warpage issues with AEBL. Yeah, I my minimal work with it didn't have any real warps to deal with, so I don't know. I have way more warps on carbon steel for some reason. Are you going maybe to? Because, maybe it's because of the plates. It could be. Because um, AEBL's air quenched. So with the Magna Cut, are you going to get a doer or anything? Or are you just going to do the do the whole freezer freezer trick for uh, Gryo? See, I feel like Magna Cut needs something colder than a freezer, but I don't. I do know too. I've, ne- I've never worked with it. I can't afford a doer, and especially right now and but I can get dry ice and do a slurry. I've done that yeah, before. That, that'd be pretty cold, I'd imagine. I feel like a scientist when I work with dry ice. <laughs> you know what I mean cuz it like oh, it yeah. like has the fog Fogging that comes out, out of it. everything. Yeah. Probably make a pretty but cool reel doing that. First time I was working with it I was an idiot and I was doing a pan and I dumped the bag in the pan and then I used my hand. Oh no. I was trying to move the nuggets around, and I was like, oh, my God. Oh, yeah, that's fucking negative 100 and something degrees. <laughs> like, Holy shit. Dude. Whoops. But yeah, I forgot about the uh, the whole dry ice and alcohol thing that people do that gets pretty darn cold. So you sh- should be good with that, I would imagine. Mm-hmm. I don't want to work with something like MagnaCut just because I don't, I don't have any real cryo at the moment, and I don't necessarily plan to anytime soon. So I'm just going to stick with ABL because with the freezer based on what, uh, Tobias Hangler told us, I gotten, you know, just doing exactly what he said on when he was on the show, I've gotten really good results with it. It's tough stuff. So I don't really feel the need to go into any other kind of specialty steals at this point in time. Anyways. I mean, maybe I will at some point, but doers right now I'm good with it. They're fucking expensive, dude. It's expensive. To buy a doer and then you got to keep it vacuum seal. It. Like, it's, are you frozen? Like, they're pricey. And if you're not doing yeah, a bunch frozen, of buddy. stainless custom orders or a bunch or like batch work of stainless blades, it's not cost effective. In my opinion. But who am I? Are you frozen, Noah? Mm-hmm. Noah's frozen. Ryan, are you there? Well, we're back. Little connection issues for Mr. Noah. Noah, what were we talking about? Doers and how if you're not doing batch orders or a lot of sales and they're not really cost effective. Oh, yeah. (laughs) That and I don't feel like I'm I'm up to snuff to be making that sort of investments. You know, like I, I feel like I need to be a little bit further along in my knife making skill career, the whole thing in order to justify it, you know? Yeah, and like uh, <clears throat> for all of us building our shops, you know, you have to prioritize investments. Oh, yeah, you know for sure. What I mean, like a doer is probably a $1,500 investment, 
But if you need a plasma cutter or a welder, fifteen hundred, you think? I've I thought they were only like three, four hundred bucks for the doer, and then I don't know how much it is to get it filled, but I don't think it was that much. Oh, we have a place locally that sells them, and I went in there and fucking one just big enough to fit a chef knife in was twelve hundred dollars. Oh, jeez. Let me look um, online. I looked on Amazon a while ago, and I think there was a few out there that were reputable that were in the three to four hundred dollar range. The problem is, is that a lot of them have a small neck. Um, I uh, talked to somebody local here, uh, Thorn Lord on Instagram. He's up in up north of me, and uh, he upgraded to one with a bigger mouth. And so he was reaching out to see if I wanted the other one, and I was like, "Well, it's got like a two inch opening." or something like that. It's like a lot of my chef knives are two and a quarter at the heel, something like that. So I'd, it'd be great to have one, but I'd rather just wait until I can get one with a wider mouth, you know, that I can fit the majority of my blades in. Well, they got 10 liter ones on Amazon for 260 bucks. But how wide is the mouth? Yeah. And I don't know how much it is to get, get them filled. See, this is why we, you know, this is for you listeners out there. This is why we have guests on here, because Ryan and I understand that we only know so much. So we try and bring on guests that are entertaining and knowledgeable. The value that we're bringing you isn't ourselves, although we can be entertaining at times. We we bring you the value by bringing on people who know things, unlike us. <laughs> Even the things I know, I'm not sure about. See, we're at least we're honest about it. We're not here pretending to to know things. Right. It's fine. So this week, actually just this morning, I dropped my new Shotgunner V2. Um, I think I showed it off a little bit on the for those of you that watch this on YouTube um, before. And I finally finished up a batch of five of those with some different handle scales. I've sold one so far. So as of this recording, there's still some available on my website and it's just a, uh, it's just a, a, an evolution of the original shotgunner that I made. And that was this chunky boy. I mean, it was like quarter inch thick. I didn't have any handle scales on there. I basically just made it to have something that was a usable knife that could be used as like a pry bar. Uh, you know, you could chuck it at somebody, you know, basically indestructible and uh, would fit in your pocket. And I tried to just refine it a bit. So it's got some thinner stock. I think it's like three sixteenths or one eighth um, inch stock. It's still 8670 because that's the toughest carbon steel that I've worked with. And uh, it's got a stonewash finish. It's got some, uh, some B cone carbon fibre on a couple of them. I love that that black pearl that he's got, it's got a membrane on the top that you can peel off and it's just got that textured, uh, I saw that on, on your post. I was like, Oh, that's awesome. Cause then you don't have to tape it or nothing. You just grind yeah. it and peel it off. Yeah. It's awesome. I love that stuff. And it's, it's like, I have one that's like a G 10. It's like an orange G 10. It's got this like really aggressive grip on it. And don't get me wrong. I love that. Cause I love bright orange and stuff, but the, the grip that's on that carbon fiber is a little more mild. So it's, it's like just enough texture to give you a good grip without having to worry about it, like biting into your hands or anything like that. So it's really cool material. I like it a lot and it's super easy to work with. And, uh, I just like, uh, like I was talking about before using that tilting table on my Ameribraid fastback, it's so easy to just set that angle at like 45 degrees I'm still using that Spruce Hill Studio scribe and you just scribe down the middle of the side of the scale and then just grind off 45 degrees all the way around the scale. And that's pretty much all the handle shaping you need to do. I mean, it you go up a little bit higher grit and stuff, of course, to make it look a little nicer. But uh, that's kind of the point of these knives, too, is to be a little more rough and tumble. I, I put in the description that no buffing wheels were used in the production of these blades because... I'm trying to trying to keep them like as fast as possible. Like I want to make them fast so I don't have to charge that much for them. You know, like right. You I don't charge up there. as much, and you can make more for your exactly. Time. I made I made well, and these ones took a little bit longer than I, I think ones in the in the future will take because I got my process down. You know, I I made templates. I hardened the templates so I can use them as drill guides, and you know, just working out my process of how to make these things efficiently. And now that I've got that down, I think I should be able to crank them out pretty fast. 
And I learned I learned some different things. I learned that when you're using bright color G10, you don't also want to be working on light color G10. And that might sound like something that any idiot would know, but uh, I'm an idiot and I knew it. I just didn't do it anyways. So oh, because the dust gets into the pores on the light stuff. Yeah. And I had one. I mean, that the orange set and I I was, you know, just doing like fit, fit up and stuff. And I. I finished with one of the carbon fiber ones and then I go and I just touched that orange G10. I'm like, oh, geez, here we go. So, but I found out that uh, acetone and a microfibre uh, towel, microfiber, sorry. I say things weird just because it tickles my brain sometimes. So it's okay. Uh, I do it too. Okay. So the the microfibre uh, towel soaked in acetone and you just wipe it on there. It'll get that dirt hand grime even out of the texture on the g10 um it it comes off really well i was surprised you know what surprises me about g10 how inconsistent g10 is you've talked about this before yeah i know it's crazy there's you'd think that it would be like a i guess this is kind of like food at the beginning you'd think there would be like a standard that like everyone would have to follow but they're really not all created equal no like I've got some G10 pins, like pin stock. I know Jeremy Ballaball brought it up when he was on about how you get G10 not to burn. You got to get the right kind. There's yeah, two different. I found one of them seems like it's more fibrous, and when it burns, it like puffs your pins up yes. and they turn black, and they're a fucking pain in the ass. Oh my it looks god, like a messy hairdo on the end, kind of almost. Yeah, they look so good if you can get them finished, but you pretty much just have to like take them down to on 36 and then hand sand all the way up on those ones. And then there's the other kind that is just like G10, like liner material. And it's perfect. Never burns. I've I've gotten G10 liner material before that's done that too. Cause I glue my liners up to my scales first uh, before I, before I do any like, drilling or or anything like that so i drill i glue my liners up and then i square i obviously the liner's bigger than the actual handle scale so then i just take it over to the grinder and i'll just swipe it and just make sure that the the handle scale and the g10 liner are the exact same size and i've had it burn during that and it'll do that same thing where it kind of like half melts half turns into like a weird like kind of hairy mess as you're grinding it off yeah yeah it's a pain. And if you burn it too deep, you're like, uh-oh. <laughs> yeah. Like, we're not talking like burn like micarta where it will discolor. This stuff will burn. And when you take it off the grinder, it'll be glowing like a coal. Yeah. It's like nasty. Uh-oh. uh-oh. <laughs> Kaka. It doesn't have like a, you know how you can kind of see a pattern in some of the G10 pins? This stuff, yeah. like once you get it like polished and finished, it's got like almost like a liquid look to it. It's weird. Weird stuff. But when you go and you buy it, and it's all suppliers, I've noticed everywhere, it's hit or miss. It, it doesn't add whoever's manufacturing this stuff. They all say G10 FR4, whatever, you know, pin stalker. It's weird. I don't get it. One place that I haven't had that issue from is, um, what is it? It's Atlas. I think Atlas Billiard Supplies. Um, I think they have a website and they have eBay. I bought a lot of their stuff off eBay and I don't think I've had that issue with any of their stuff. I like them for like weird, obscure colors. Them make your material supply because I like, you know, you got your standard colors and Mm -hmm. then but there's a few suppliers out there who carry like oddball shit. You know, like I've got some half inch black micarta tube stock you know what i mean half like weird. inch wow yeah yeah hold on i'll grab a piece show it to you oh yeah. sorry guys he's rummaging around it's, it's not black it's brown but it's oh, okay it's tube stock jeez and For some reason, I wasn't expecting the wall to be that thick. It's super thick, but what I like about it is a a quarter inch pin fits perfectly in that hole. 
Oh, okay. No, I remember this now. I've seen you do this before. Yeah, so I take this stuff and I, I'll cut my pin and then I'll cut another pin that looks cool, like maybe a different color micarta or, or whatever color they chose for the pins. Mm-hmm. And I'll super glue it into the center. And I'm talking like it fits perfectly. Like no like gap. Around. Yeah, like a glove. No, I had to press the last one in, in my vice because the Jeez. super glue like made like a hydro lock. On it. So I <laughs> right, pressed yeah. it together and then let it dry. But, you know, weird stuff like this. Like who's going to think, oh, I need a half inch canvas micarta pin stock or, you know, like some of these places carry weird things like that, which are kind of cool. Absolutely, man. Mm-hmm. I don't mm-hmm. know. I got some three eighths black micarta tube stock and a three sixteenths pin stock fits right. Perfect in the hole too. That's cool. You could get like some really weird, like color combinations with that. I've been trying to branch out with my colors lately. Like I do a lot of just like natural colored woods and dark colored woods. I just finished up a chef knife with like some really cool, like green dyed. Oh, what was it? Some green dyed wood. It's, it's stabilized all the, you know, the usual like K and G stabilized wood. And it came out so cool. It's like, man, I want to do more colors. Like I don't get me wrong. I love the natural look. I love like, dark and cool look but uh i want to do more like weird colors i've been really into like the uh what's it uh like tiffany blue mm-hmm. it's closer because, to a mint than like yeah, a like, real like tiffany a, blue but it's still a nice different color yeah um, something that's like it's, it's something you don't see all the time you know just like different i i did uh, a chef knife for my mother-in-law um for christmas and i did it with those g10 blue, whatever you want to Tiffany blue or whatever, um, with the handles and I did white pins and white liners and it was so out of my wheelhouse and I got it done. I was like, man, I really like the way that looks. And I mean, don't get me wrong. Like it's kind of a girly color if you wanted to say that, but I don't know. I just, I'm just, I'm into it. And, uh, I got a, I got a t-shirt from Sharky, he was closing out his uh, his Etsy store when he was building his new website. Shout out to Flying Shark Knives. His new website is awesome. Um, but he has, you know, his cool like Flying Shark logos and he's got artists that do different renditions of it and stuff. And he had one in like, it's not really like a, a Tiffany blue. It's more of like a. It's more green, I think, than that. But uh, like a teal almost. Yeah, kind of like a uh, like more of like a greenish teal. And like I'm one of those guys like you open up my drawer. I've got black shirts and very, very dark gray shirts. Like that's that's pretty much all I wear. Very neutral. And like I bought this shirt and it's the brightest freaking shirt I have. And I freaking love it. I don't know why there's something about that. That weird kind of like bluish green color that like I'm really into right now. So I need to try and do some more different handle scales to to scratch that itch. For sure. Uh, I got, I talked about it before, but I got some maroon liners and maroon pin stock and it looks really nice. Um, I got some of the Tiffany blue. You know what I really love is a liner and I pretty much use it exclusively unless somebody asks for a color is like my Carta. Cause you get just the like string. the natural. Yeah. The natural my Carta. Like, yeah, you get like the strings of the canvas in there, or whatever fabric they use, and it looks cool. For sure, man. Who's the ah, man? There's this one guy that I've been following. I don't know how long I've been following him for on Instagram, but he uh, he makes a knife that is uh, very special to my heritage. Um, I uh, I don't know if I've ever talked about this before, but I'm Swedish, so people probably thought that I had a different ethnicity based on my last name but uh, i assumed you were a german isn't bloomberg, bloomberg? german no bloomberg is german. a jewish name the opposite there were jews in germany that's the whole point that's what happened right. no i know um but yeah no i'm i'm, I'm swedish so uh so the way that my name is spelled is actually the jewish spelling of the of the name bloomberg Originally, it was spelled with one O, but nobody could pronounce it. So when so it is Blomberg. No, it's Bloomberg, but it's 
kind of spelled with anyways um so but they had to change the spelling of it when they when uh when my family came over um you know during Ellis island all that yeah uh, all the bad stuff that happened there um so yeah so i'm swedish and so like the one knife i think that would be most associated with the swedish people is like a puko and it's you know it's norwegian it's not necessarily just swedish but i mean you look at like the the standard like mora knife like that's you're familiar with mora oh okay so mora is so there's in my mind there's like there's two companies in the world that make like craft quality blades on a large scale and those are mora and Openel, and both, I mean, both of those are going to get, I'm going to get told that I'm pronouncing them wrong. I've heard many different pronunciations of Mora and Opinel. Um, but I have both, you know, I have, I have some really cool Openels that I really like and, and I have some Moras and it's, it's a really simple knife design. Like it's kind of like a, like a, a fat oval blade or sorry, fat oval handle with just like a really simple knife shape, blade shape. I can't even describe it. Um, but there's this one guy on Instagram. I wish I could remember who it is. I'll, I'll have to make sure I shout him out at one point in time. But he makes these uh, these Pucos with like stonewash finishes. And he does like these false edges on the tops that are on the spines that just look amazing. And what he does is on one side of the, the handle scale, on the left side, he does a giant fat micarta plug. So nice. just imagine like a, a, a hidden tang of like a natural color or like a gray color. And then just like a red, like half inch micarta plug of like red. And then that I, it's hard to tell, but it looks like and I need to ask him, but it looks like that little plug is like hollowed out. So you've got this hollow that's like a different color for like your thumb to just kind of like set in there. And it is such a different and cool look. Like I love this guy's work because I love Pucos. I've been wanting to make one for a while. I just haven't gotten around to it. Um, but yeah, super cool work. I feel really bad that I can't shout the guy out. Not that, he, <laughs> not that he needs it. I mean, the guy does incredible work. I'm sure he has eight times as many followers as I have. Like there's, there's, there's no need. I just wish I could direct people to, uh, to look at his stuff. I'll, I'll make sure I find it and I'll share it uh, next week. If I can't, uh, if I can't find it here, but yeah, amazing work. And I, I freaking love that cool, like classic Puko design with just like some modern elements thrown in, whether it's the, you know, kind of like a false edge or like a, a mild clip point with, you know, just, just the subtlety and the handle of just, you know, who puts just like a random plug in there and just kind of hollows it out. Like it's, it's such a cool, different idea. Yeah. I thought about doing that with these on my hidden tanks, like just something, you know, cause to spruce it up. Like we all love yeah. burl. Like I hoard the shit I've got. I couldn't even <laughs> guess how Tons. much wood is in, my, is in my garage. And, but it's nice to mix it up every now and then add a little bit of, the flare, like I've got some scales that I'm going to use soon that Micah Dunn did that are full of voids. And I think I'm going to get like a bright green or like a, it's a purple dyed stabilized block, but I'm going to get like a bright yellow, bright green, something like that mm -hmm. to mix with epoxy to fill the voids. You know, That'd you, cool. you got to mix it up, you, you know, I mean, we all get stuck in our ruts and our comfort zones and it's important to like get out of your comfort zone for one for growth, because if you get out of your comfort zone, chances are you're going to run into something you don't know how to do. And then you're going to figure out how to do it. And then you're going to be better overall. But mm -hmm. for two, cause shit gets boring, dude. Yeah. And I mean, that's a lot of the reason why I'm doing these, uh, these EDC blades is because I, I love the look of having like the spine or not, not the spine, the whole, the whole tang kind of protruding, from below the scale. And it's kind of a weird feeling when you're holding it. Like it, it looks uncomfortable, but it's, it fits in your hand really well. And it's just kind of cool to see the tang sticking out around it. 
And I've always loved, I, I know I've talked about this before, but I've always loved like the bolt on scale look like pins are cool. I, I do pins, you know, with all of my stuff. Um, I don't do Corby's. That's never, I don't know. I've just never wanted to do Corby's, but I just love like the, the tactile look and feel of having those exposed like Allen head bolts that, you know, this is how it goes together. I don't know. Where, what are they called? Golso bolts? G-U-L-S-O. Yeah. Those are one type of them. Uh, these ones are not the ones that I'm using are not. So these are just a simple threaded barrel with a small bolt on each end. Oh, like a Chicago screw. Maybe a Chicago screw. The barrel goes all the way to the uh, the head of the other bolt. A Golso, th- a Golso is pretty much a Chicago screw too. I yeah, think they're the same shit. I think so. So this one's different because it's got three separate parts. You've got two screws and a barrel. So, oh, I, I to, get you. So, so the barrel anyway, so goes I have in the to, center, and then the screws hold the scale to the barrel. Mm-hmm. Okay. And that was, you know, that was getting out of my comfort zone to a large degree because getting everything to line up perfectly for all of that is really freaking difficult. Like whether it's because I had to, it took me forever to find the right size counterbore to to counterbore out the space for the the heads of the screws that Mm -hmm. was the right diameter for the screws and then the right diameter for the barrel as well. So, and then I had to get a specific size drill bit for the holes for the barrel, for the, to go through the handle scales and to drill out the, um, the tang. And so it was this whole learning process of me sitting there with a freaking micrometer, like measuring each of these components and then like trying to find the right, I don't even remember where I bought the counterbore from, but, uh, I think it was USA knife maker. Yeah, I think it was. So that, and you know, you're trying to figure out all of these depths and widths to get everything precise so that you're not guessing because you're making a batch of them. You need to be able to make them over and over again and everything needs to be the same size. So you're working out different methods and stuff to try and make sure that everything is repeatable. And that whole process was tedious, but fun. Like just, I, I make knives that are full tang all the time. I've made hidden tang knives. They're fine. You know, it's nothing wrong with it. I like making them, but this was totally, totally new for me. So it was a whole new process that I got to teach myself. It was fun. That's cool. Something I think I need to work on is like, I have a hard time, um, getting like, I'll try different processes to see which ones I like more. And then I forget which ones I've tried and I end up <laughs> trying them again and I don't stick with one. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, it's gross. My problem is, 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 is I'll do stuff like that and then I'll write it down because I don't want to forget. And then I lose where I wrote it down. That's happened to me multiple times where I'll go to make something and be like, oh, I made a note about how long, you know, this needed to be before I did this. And I'll go and I'll try to find that piece of paper or whatever that I wrote it down on. And it's gone. Who knows where it went? You need one of them, bro. I do for sure. That would help me so much. Uh, man, who was I was talking to uh, the sharp carpenter. Um, Rodney, he bought one of those for his shop and I'm like, man, I need to do that. And I keep forgetting because that would be perfect if I had just a giant whiteboard and I could just write down all my thoughts. And every time I had like a measurement or something, I could just write it down there and then I wouldn't forget it. That's a four by eight whiteboard. I have no idea where you would buy a whiteboard sheet that big. Uh, it was whoever. So my house is a rental before we bought it. And whoever the last tenants were, were like massively into darts. There's dart, there's dart set up on the floor and like lines painted on the floor in the garage, the basement and the back room, like the sun porch off my house. And on, in the basement, they were using that as a scoreboard. It's a big scoreboard. It's a fucking huge scoreboard. So when we moved in, I was like, yeah, that's going in the shop immediately. Yeah. Like, like right now. So uh, what Rodney was saying was you can just go to like Lowe's or Home Depot and get like a chunk of press board and some of them you can just get, it'll just have like that white melamine on the back of it mm-hmm. and it works perfect for a dry erase. I think that's what he did. Um, and it's like super cheap too, if you do it that way. Cause I mean, it's just press board and yeah. if you get the stuff that has that, it just dry erases perfectly. So, or I guess you could, if you're a guy that uses limestone pens a lot for marking, you could buy the chalkboard paint. 
Oh, that's a good and, point. And just paint your like drywall or whatever with a chalkboard. We had yeah. some of that in my kids' room growing up. I've got that on my uh, my kegerator that I made back when I was in my my beer brewing phase. I built a kegerator out of a mini fridge, nice. and uh, my wife painted the whole front of it with chalkboard paint so that I could write down what beer I had brewed and what was in there and the ABV and all of that. Nice. I uh, when I was a manager for Ruby Tuesdays, I scored a kegerator they were throwing out. But you don't drink. I don't drink, but I could sell it. (laughs) Okay, that's fair. So I did, (laughs) but it was it would fit a whole size pony keg. Had had a spot had a spot for like a nitrogen tank if you were Mm -hmm. running like whatever to like carbonate stuff. I was like, damn, my boss typically CO two. Yeah, my boss is like, throw that in the dumpster, and I was like, no way, I'm gonna throw that in the back of my blazer. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) my my, it's a. I don't know if that's a. A mentality a lot of people have but like my neighbor the old man who gives me cool stuff that he's found mm. he's he had that mentality working in the mill that's how i got that block of my cart like oh cracking it throw it away he's like no way that's got value uh that oh, what the hell are they called induction heaters yeah that one that he gave me that i don't think i'll be able to use for knife making but it's still cool still cool it's still cool. It's like a little block with two prongs on it, and you put this laminated steel bar over the prongs. And when you turn it on, each side is magnetized. I noticed, but you're supposed to put a bearing over that over that uh, laminated rod, and it spins the bearing in the center and heats it up with magnetism. With magnetism. Magnetism. That thing's got to be from the '60s. I was going to say, because I've, I've never seen one. Hold on, I'll show you. So our, our YouTube listeners can see it. You guys are you guys are special. Normally at work, if we have a bearing that needs heated up, we just grab a torch. I guess if you were trying to save it, that would be a little different. That is interesting. It's big. And these bars just come off, and I got a small one and another one that's like an inch and a half. Hmm. So I guess you can heat up a honking ass bearing with this thing. Yeah, I'm trying to think of like the the application. I guess if you're putting like a like a pinion bearing on, and you wanted to heat it up to expand it to get it to slide over the pinion. That's really the only thing I could think of in like a regular automotive application. I mean, everything else is going inside something. So you want to get it cold. You don't want to get it hot. I mean, we've had to do that before at work. You know, you just take a bearing, you stick it in the freezer for a few hours and slam it in. Yeah. But that's, I mean, that's pretty rare that you have to do that. Do it with chainsaws and then you use a heat gun to heat up the crankcase. So the crankcase expands and the bearings cold and you can just drop it in and then once they come back to room temp, it's fucking mint. They're locked. They're locked in. Uh, yep. Or using a welder to get out a bearing race that's like seized in. Do you guys do mm-hmm. that ever? You just weld a bead on the inside of the race and it heats the shunk. Yep. Just pops it right out. Squirt it with some water. All sorts of tricks. You you ever use wax to get out like exhaust manifold bolts? Uh, I'm, I've never successfully done it. I most of the time just weld a nut to it and get it out that way. Yeah. That's usually what I do. If something's real bad, like real rusty, you bust out the wax. And for the listeners, basically you heat, you take a torch, heat the bolt up red hot, and then you take a stick of paraffin wax and you melt it onto it. And then you do it again. You do it a few times and that paraffin wax will actually get into the threads and give you some lubrication in there. Yes, sir. Mm-hmm. You can also uh, use wax or grease to get out pilot bearings. Have you ever done that? Oh, yeah. You pack it full and thread a bolt in. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, we've uh, we've done that to get clutches off before, too. Oh, yeah, okay. I can see that. Because, like, uh, snowmobile-style clutch pullers are just a long rod with threads on the end, and it pushes on the inside of the crank. Um, 
But if you don't have a puller, which they're very, they're expensive for what they are. And you can just find a bolt that thread pack it with bearing grease and then thread the bolt in and the hydro pressure will pop it off. Hydraulics are wonderful. I've seen people do it with bread. Speaking of hydro. Oh yeah. I've seen bread too. Uh, well, I've seen bread and I've seen wet paper. Um, and I've seen a, a bunch of different things that you can use. Speaking of hydraulics, um, when we had Dennis Tyrell on, we were talking about uh, presses and forges and stuff and how he likes to keep everything up at like eye level. And he's a little taller than m- many individuals and how that doesn't work for everybody. And, uh, and I, I, I mentioned that I have my press set to where I'm constantly bending over and I can't really see what I'm working on and it just kills my back and how, if I was smart, I would just flip my press over because it can go either, you know, piston down or piston up. Mm-hmm. But when I got my press, my mindset was like, well, no, it needs to be coming down because that's my way. My brain works is where I get like stuck on things and I get stuck. Like this is how it's supposed to be. Even though I can clearly see that it would be beneficial to do it another way. I, I, I can't allow myself to do it the better way. I finally flipped my press over. So now I have the cylinder going up and it's like, it's right at like eye level. I'll be able to keep my back perfectly straight when I'm forging. It's going to be so much better. Speaking of Finally our backs, did it. I have terrible posture. And I thought about buying one, one of them gimmicky things that pops up in your Instagram reel where it like straps around your shoulders and like holds your shoulders back. So you have to sit up straight. Yep. You think I should do it? Uh, I bought Feel- one when I was dealing with some really extreme back pain uh, a few years ago and it did help. Um, the, the back pain that I was having was so I, I would wake up every morning at about two o'clock and the pain was so extreme that I couldn't fall back asleep. So I would have to get up out of bed, grab a blanket and go sit on the couch or in my like recliner where I could sit up and then I would fall back asleep sitting up. And that went on for about two years that I was dealing with this back pain. And so I tried everything and I did get one of those, and it does help. I just feel dumb when I'm sitting like this. You look dumb. I did, right? Oh my, <laughs> my, I don't know. I slouch. I've always been a sloucher, but it's a problem oh, yeah. now that I'm I'm getting old. Like I've had back pain before that was so bad I threw up. You know, just like fuck. Oh yeah. So, okay. So speaking of, uh, speaking of getting old, this is a fun story, not for me, but for you and all the listeners, this will be a fun story. So when I was a kid, I was huge into skateboarding. I built quarter pipes. I built ramps. I did all that stuff. We would go to the skate park. I was really big into skateboarding. And so a couple of years back, my kids' friends had a skateboard and I hopped on the thing and I kind of showed them, showed them how it was done. And everybody was like, oh, you're going to hurt yourself. And then like I busted out like this gnarly kickflip and they were like, what? And I was like the cool dad for an afternoon. I think I, I even like I, I landed a 360 flip. I hadn't I hadn't been on a skateboard in, in years and I still managed to bust out a 360 flip. So like I was riding high. Well, yesterday I was. Uh, we went over to a friend's house cause they're having a garage sale and they had one of those, you remember like the little razor scooters? Yeah, dude. <laughs> okay. Got a couple of them. So I had one of those back in the day, but like it was never, it was never like skateboarding to me. Like I, I woke up thinking about skateboarding, like when I was a teenager, like that's how into it I was. And I just never got into the scooter thing, but we're like hanging out and you know, I'm drinking a beer and I wasn't drunk, but I had a beer. So I'm, you know, feeling sociable. And, uh, so I start riding the scooter around and I didn't really think anything of it until I went to do a jump with it. And the scooter went directly out from underneath my feet. Like it was, it was, I wish somebody recorded it because it was exactly like those videos that you see of people doing stupid stuff like on the internet. (laughs) Yeah, it was, it was, it was like one minute I'm on the scooter. The next minute I'm directly on my ass, just like straight, just like bam directly on my ass. And like, I'm laying in the middle of the street and my wife's like, uh, babe, can you be hurt out of the street? There's a car coming. 
like no sympathy at all. She's laughing her ass off. Just like, uh, babe, can you go? I'm laying on the ground in pain. Just like, oh my gosh, I had like flashbacks. I haven't been, you know, I, I, I haven't hit the concrete in over 15 years. So I like immediately had like flashbacks to being a teenager. And so I go, whoop, bam, just land right on my ass. And so then like I get up to like get out of the freaking road like a moron. I'm like hobbling over. I like lay down in the grass, just like holding my ass, just like dying. And I don't I don't know how. But when I fell, I jacked my finger on my right hand. And you won't be able to see it on the in the video. But my the ring finger on my right hand is like, no, it looks big. <laughs> it's big. It's swollen and it is black and blue. I woke up. I went and took a shower this morning, and when you know my I'm a mechanic and a knife maker. My hands aren't usually clean, and uh, and I was washing it off, and I'm like, oh geez, that's black and blue. The whole freaking finger. I can't make a fist with my right hand because of how stupid I am, and I thought that I was going to be cool and ride a scooter. I was never able to ride like skateboards and rollerblades and shit when I was a teenager. Uh, I was always like the BMX bike guy. Mm, mm-hmm. And I remember the last time I tried doing anything on a BMX, we were at the skate park and there was like, there was, they wouldn't let bikes in, but there was like a separate little parking lot with dirt piles in it. And we would just go ride around on the dirt piles. And my buddy was like, I bet you can't do a backflip. Oh no! And boys being boys, I've never done a backflip backflip before, but I was pretty damn sure that I could do a backflip. So Mm. I was like, "Fuck you! I'll do a backflip." Freaking! I get pedaling as hard as I can. I come up. I get like horizontal with the ground, and I stop moving, and then the Mm -hmm. bike keeps going. I fall on my back, and the rear tire of the bike because the bike did a full rotation came down and smashed me directly on my face. Fucking. Oh right no. Wow. Yeah. That was, I was like, yeah, maybe I'll get into girls or something. <laughs> <laughs> this is stupid. Oh, that's Isn't brutal. It weird how when we're teenage boys, we all have that crazy confidence. Like, yeah, I can do oh, yeah. it. Fuck. Yeah, dude. Absolutely. What, you think I can't? Yeah, I still have that confidence. We talked about this with uh, Kevin and Eric at Ameribraid. Yeah. <laughs> like, having confidence for no reason. <laughs> like, oh, I can drive that. It's just gears. <laughs> Those guys were awesome to talk to. Have you seen their uh, their reels that they're doing, the the May, May for Makers uh, reels that they've they've been doing? Yeah, I got tagged to do one of those. I have to tell people. Don't tag me in those things. Don't tag me in the post <laughs> post your projects every day. Don't assume that Ryan Chaborn is going to get on board because I'm not. I don't like being told what to do. For one, it's part of my like neurodivergence, and I just don't have I don't have the will to do it. I'm like, nah. It's like a chain letter to me. You know what I mean? <laughs> oh, dude, talk about flashbacks. Yeah, chain emails. I remember that back in the day. Mm-hmm forward this to 30 people or your house will burn down. Like, yeah. Shoot. I forgot all about that. That was back when messenger was a big thing. Yeah. AOL messenger. Damn. But anyway, the Ameribrae guys with their, uh, Oh yeah. Name maker. Sorry. Tangent. Tangents. That's where, that's how we do things. Uh, yeah, they're, so they're real, uh, where they went around and they asked all the guys like what, uh, what motivates them. And they asked each guy like, Hey, why did we do what we do here? And then like, as they they were responding, they just dubbed over like Eric or Kevin responding with some, you know, just like BS line, like, Oh, because I love it. You know, American products, we we're, we're the best at what we do. Yada, yada, yada. And it was like, didn't match their mouth movements at all. It was, it was hilarious. I I thought it was great. They, uh, they're really smart dudes. And that was a super fun podcast. And the funnest part about it was when we weren't recording. And that's usually the funnest part about all podcasts because none of us want to say anything that's, you know, we're all shit scared of 
fucking getting canceled these days. So like nobody wants to say anything. But when we're not recording and we're all just being ourselves, which I'm myself most of the time anyway, so it's not an issue. But they're they're a lot bigger than me. You know, they have to actually worry about it. I can say whatever I want. Nobody cares. They're like, oh, he's just a flea bag. I'm just I'm I'm myself on this podcast. I'm just less of an asshole than I normally am because we we talk about this at work all the time where it's like if 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 any outside observer came into that shop uh, they would think that we were subhuman. I mean the 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 things that we say to each other just for fun. Like no no normal human being would understand that. They wouldn't get it. Mhm. We were talking about that at work the other day. We got a new delivery guy. And he's probably one of the dumbest sons of bitches I've ever met in my life. Ooh. I mean, that's fine. you can, it's fine. He does all right at his job. It's anybody could do that job, but it's like weird to interact with them. You know what I mean? Like you ever like met somebody who you're like, you could be inbred. <laughs> I've only met be. one person like that before. You know what? I just realized we're an hour in and we haven't played any ads yet. So let's, bang them Wait, both out is, is this a podcast i forgot i know because we just sit here and talk before podcasts too for like hours sometimes hustle and grind podcast is sponsored by phoenix abrasives your one-stop abrasive shop when you go to phoenixabrasives.com click the shop icon in the upper right hand corner to find all the abrasives you'll ever need Check out the Incinerator 36-grit ceramic belts, along with the Trizact gator belts that the hosts of Hustle & Grind use every day. When you check out, use code HUSTLE10 for 10% off your entire order. Hustle & Grind is sponsored by Maritime Knife Supply. Whether you're looking for steel, abrasives, handle material, forges, epoxy, or anything for making in general, Maritime Knife Supply has you covered. And in the U.S. or Canada, they ship faster than the great Cobra Chicken Gooses that their country is known for. Go to Maritime Knife Supply, and when you buy a 10-pack of belts, get 10% off. And tell them we sent you, eh? Thanks, Luke. Thanks, Luke. We've got some new patrons, too. Oh, let's read out the patrons. Let's do it. Let me pull up the patron list here. I realized that I can open other pages on my computer and it doesn't fuck the podcast up. That's amazing. So we are up to... How many are there? Go back. Go back, you bastard. 33 patrons. What? That's awesome. Thanks, guys. Thanks, everybody. So we've got Matt Bicker at DIY Europe, Matt Baldwin at Baldwin Blades, Brent Dignam. I hope I said that right. And that's Cross Peened Forge. Oh, I Mar- follow that guy. Yep, I do too. Uh, Marabraid, Travis Haynes at Bird Forge, Colin Hayworth of Hayworth Handmade, Jeremy Ballaball at 419 Forging, Ryan Moeller at Wood by Moeller. Alexander Sloat of Deverlin Forge, Brian Hunt at Hidden Rose Forge, Will from Maine, Spruce Hill Studios, Brian Cohn of B Cone Knives, Jared Weaver at Weaver's Custom Metalworks, Instagram is Master of Metal Manipulation, Maximus Knives, Ira Housework, Ed Soul, Timber Tiger Forge, Darren at Stormlight Forge, Snake Branch Knife Works, Bremner Built Knives, Eric Andrews, Jared Echo Blades, Brian Henningkamp, Crafty Man Forge, Noel Bloomberg, Driver Defense Knives, Maritime Knife Surprise, Surprise, <laughs> Zach, Zachary Sowell at Paternostri Fabrica, Trucks Claire Custom Cutlery, Dennis Tyrell at Tyrell Knife Works, Todd Harrington of TH Blades, BexArmory.com, Mark Vanderwerf and Mark Vanderwerf, uh, they reached the goal they needed for his wife's treatment. So good job, everybody, on that one. Um, Mark LeBlanc, that's Papa Hatchie Axe. 
our short fat friend Brigham Kendall, Arublade Works, KnifeMaterial.at, and Donnie Dulovich. Right Thanks, on. Well, thank all of thanks to all of you guys for supporting what we're doing here. We really appreciate it. Sorry, today is just kind of a, a gimme episode. Just me and Ryan just talking, just having our normal conversation, basically. Uh, but uh, for some reason, it's really tough to get uh, get people uh, lined up and well, not lined up, but you know, on the show when it uh, when it comes time. So. It was bound to happen eventually. We were just going to have to do a one-off episode. This was only the second time, I think, that we've been ghosted. And we weren't ghosted. He texted me. And it's oh, fine. Okay. I'm, it's yeah. really hard to upset me. I'm, I'm pretty chill. Uh, it's not hard to upset me. You can upset me very easily. I will get over it quickly, but I'll be upset. Yeah. The first time was the former host and founder of the show. That's right. We haven't heard from him. Uh, I wonder if he's going to be at Blade because, I mean, last year he was there uh, slinging beef jerky and everything uh, in the pit. I wonder uh, I wonder if he's going to be at Blade this year. I don't know. I haven't heard from him either. I got to talk to him, though, because uh, Fire and Steel were right, and it is confusing as fuck to try and find our Instagram page now because the old Instagram page is still up. So, uh, Yes, that's right. Yeah, they talked about that on their show. Yeah. Jason- Shout out to Fire and Steel. Shout out to those guys. Uh, Jason couldn't let me log into the page because it was linked through his email. So he would have had to give me his primary email. And then he didn't want to delete it because there was conversations on there that he didn't want to lose. And I don't know what those conversations were, but I think it was the ones with that maker who passed away last year. Um, I didn't I didn't know him, but. Do you know who I'm talking about? Way to bring it. to Yeah, just like. uh so I'm kind of like us, bringing us down, man. Yeah, man. Well, I've had a kind of down week, bro. <laughs> I know. I feel for you, dude. It is what I it do. Is. But that's why this two Instagram pages. So I, I got to hit up Jason again, see if I can get him to change the name at least. You know, like Jason's super special page or something like that. <laughs> right. I had on, a guys. blast right. with honor, man. I had a blast. Oh, yeah. Honor. He's fucking hilarious. That that dude, you never you never know what he's going to say. It's freaking great. No. And I almost posted the video version of the Patreon because I can <laughs> post. Either, I can post either or. Oh, really? uh, I didn't know. That. Yeah. So I almost posted the video version just so everybody could see his underwear that had his wife's face on it. <laughs> oh, but, that would have been good. Yeah. The file was kind of big and I didn't feel like it. I know exactly what honor would have said right there. Anyways, uh, what would he have said? Yeah, never mind. Uh, we're, we've been at this for an hour and guys, we really appreciate you listening. We have, uh, who's, is it Ben Butler next week? We got coming on. Let me check. I'll pull up my calendar. Ben Butler. You better not ghost us. You motherfucker. So, uh, if any of you, uh, any of you patrons out there that are listening want to uh, submit a question that you want us to ask Ben Butler or a topic that you want us to talk to Ben Butler about in the after show, uh, shoot us a DM or send us a message on Patreon, Patreon, and uh, we'll get that in there for you. So, yeah, it's Ben Butler, and then we got Brian House, and I left the twenty eighth open for B Cone. Even though he says he doesn't want to be on again because he's been on a bunch, but it's been a while, B Cone, <laughs> so we can have a work for it May. And we get all three guys on. I got Ben WFI Butler. WFI May. WFI May on the hustle and grind. So B Cone, I know you're going to listen to this. Reach out to me. We'll get you scheduled for the 28th. <laughs> we'll do a special edition B Cone episode. You can plug anything you want. Yeah, you can plug all of your uh, your free shipping and your your carbon fiber. Although I've already plugged your carbon fiber today, so get yourself some of that black pearl. And then who do we got coming up after? That? Actually, fiber. I might not. Oh, we're open again. Oh, I get to start booking people again. Hmm. Mm. Mm. All right. So our guest schedule is open after this month. So if anybody knows of anybody who would be worth coming on. 
you have to have a good Wi-Fi connection and a podcast setup. We can't do it off a cell phone. Yes. Headphones, uh, microphone, yeah. yeah, fiber internet. Yeah. And that's what we need. Something to bring to the table, like a personality. <laughs> we need to enjoy talking to you. Yeah. Yeah. I have to like you. I don't think I'm winning anybody over right now. I don't think so at all. I think oh, we should man. probably end it. Oh, oh man. <laughs> All right, catch you all at the after show, everybody. Bye. Bye.